Welcome to the Crash the Pond podcast. It's a Monday Halloween edition of the show. Jake, I hope you're ready for a, what, what should be a, a spooky episode. Also, I just realized you're wearing a Gold's jersey. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for just noticing that because there's a reason for it. I'm dressed up as a ghost of Duck's past. Who, who's the jersey? Now I got to know. Oh, I knew it. Oh, that's it's for those who don't know. It's a Shea Theodore jersey. That's a good looking jersey, though. I will say the the, the, the goals white jersey is is really top notch. It, it's as... their it's their best jersey, and yeah, it's a Shea Theodore jersey. And I was trying to scramble, looking in my closet for something I could wear to make a joke out of, uh, for Halloween. And this is the best thing I could come up with on short notice. Um, I have to ask though, how many how many NHL teams would the goals jersey be better than? Uh, like is it more oh. than is it more than zero? Yes, I think, I think it's more than zero. It's better than the goals, or sorry, better better than the the Predators, better better than the Kings. Yeah, you could make the argument that it's better than the Ducks currently. It's a little like a jelly, a little yeah. minor leaguey. It's the the side striping's the same thing as the Flames old jersey. That's the only issue with it. Yeah, but it's just the colors, the the logo, like it all just works so well together. Mm-hmm. Per- particularly the the goals retro jersey it's just oh, it's it's very very nice but their white one is the best one anyway this is not an ahl podcast although we are ahl friendly so go check out defend the nest if you want that we're not we're, we're not you know we're not anti anything but people people come here to listen to us talk about the ducks i believe but uh, <laughs> speaking of the goals there was a call-up today Oh yes. Okay. Well, let's uh, let let's. I know we can stow that way into the back. One hundred percent. Just you know, trying to make the transition slightly. Okay. Well, there's bigger news, bigger fish to fry, and so we might as well just get right into it. Jamie Drysdale, out four to six months, and uh, not good. He suffered a torn labrum in the Vegas game last Friday, and I mean, this could like you know we're we're in practically november now yeah like six months could potentially end his season yeah i mean if you do the four to six months out that basically means february 28th if you're you're just treating it by end of the month or end of what was it uh end of april and the season ends before the end of april if i'm not mistaken i don't remember the exact date i mean it usually uh, does right yeah yeah and they're starting to get back to their normal kind of closer to normal schedule let's see but basically like yeah he he could come back right before the trade deadline. He also could be done before the end of the year um, and could be done for the season, basically. The season ends on April 13th. Yeah, so he's he's going to be up against it to come back, um, yeah. as, assuming it, it's on the longer end. Yeah, and so it's a bummer. I mean, this hit happened, for those that don't know, that are kind of listening to us and weren't able to fully watch all the games this week. The He got injured in the Vegas game on Friday during the Nevada Day, Nevada Day game. Uh, the yeah, start at 3 p.m. game, 3 yeah. p.m. start. And it was kind of an innocuous hit, like nothing really out of the ordinary. Just kind of got uh, run or kind of got um, pinched on the boards, and didn't look uh, malicious. Didn't look anything bad from the Vegas player, and it just kind of um, his shoulders kind of, I guess, must have popped out in a weird way, and he has a torn labrum as a result. As a result, I mean, these are. One of those plays that just shit happens in hockey, right? And there's no real, there's not really anyone at fault for this, and it's just a bummer. Yeah, it's a huge bummer, uh, especially because Jamie Drysdale, 
you know, there was a lot of talk about, oh, he looks much improved. Uh, this is, you know, he's really been showing out so far. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. I mean, I thought that he looked fine. You know, he had some good moments. But this was just a big, I mean, this is still a big year for him. Uh, you know, he's has he has NHL experience under his belt well, now. And this was, this was he, the year where he could potentially take off. And here's an even bigger reason that you didn't touch on right there that I was hoping you would leave out. Uh, he is an RFA this summer. Yeah. Like this, this was a massive year for him to try to get a contract uh, or get his extension. I mean, he's going to get, sorry, he is going to get an extension, but to get a bigger extension, he's going to get, I mean, he's still like, to me, he's still going to get a good contract for himself. He's a, you know, he's a top 10 draft pick. He already had, Mm -hmm. he had a very good rookie season by points and points matter for contracts. Yep. So I don't think that this like, and I don't think it's what you're saying, but this, this doesn't like crater his chances of getting a, a nice extension. So no. should he choose, but it does put a kind of a floor or p- puts a cap like, on yeah. how high he can get. If he had an absolutely amazing year, put up points again and, and everything like yeah. that, then that really sets him up to have a really nice extension. Now I think it's probably going to be more likely where he maybe takes a one year deal two or three year bridge deal, something along those lines, instead of um, taking something, instead of uh, getting a longer term deal from the ducks, just because they're going to want to see what he can do over a full season before committing to him long-term. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I think that if you look at um, the evolving hockey contract projections, you know, you look at the, his most, his most likely contract projection prior to this season was six years, 5.1 million. And that was, you know, so that was with a good rookie year. Um, you know, if he were to go bridge, let's say a two, three-year deal, that would net him somewhere in the $3 million a year range. So, again, like, I think he's going to be fine contract or he's going to be fine financially either way. But, yeah, like you said, this does just put a bit of a ceiling on how high he could really get. Although, I mean, I would maybe push back a little bit and say, like, what more could he really do this year to really substantially change that number for himself put up power play points yeah which (laughs) i mean he he wasn't even playing on the power play until until very until i can finish sentence sorry until very recently yeah no in the vegas game he had jumped on it so that's kind of where that that thought process came from was that um they were starting to use him over klingberg on the first unit and if the power play points were to come then yeah but that uh, was i mean that was a very tenuous grasp, though, of that first unit power play duties. Yeah. I mean, with Klingberg, yeah. with Fowler, it was going to be tough for him. But anyway, so it. But all that aside, it, it's it's a bummer for him. It sucks. You don't want to see that happen. The question becomes, though, and we've gotten a pretty big sneak peek at this. Uh, what? Uh, how will the Ducks handle this this loss in the back end? Apparently, Jake, the answer is just to never use twelve forwards in the lineup. <laughs> Yeah, I I don't understand that at all. Let's just get into that very quickly here. We're this podcast we're going to kind of be jumping to a bunch of different topics. We'll eventually get to the the Maple Leafs game because that was obviously a very big high note for the Ducks team and I think it's something a lot of people are going to want to hear us talk about. But I think definitely uh just to to jump in on the Ducks the last two games have ran 11 forward 7D and for those wondering kind of what are the, the issues with this and why, I think just the pros and cons of it in terms of maybe what the coaching staff was seeing. The pro of it, from at least from what they were saying from the coaching staff, is that especially in the Vegas game, it got Boyu and Benoit into the game. And the Ducks coaching staff believed that those two 
gave them better, better penalty killing options than they had otherwise. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that was of importance for them in that Vegas game. And then I'm honestly not sure why they did it again in the Toronto game, unless it was simply of a situation where maybe they thought Sam Carrick was going to be ready in time and they didn't have someone that they were comfortable playing center. And so they figured going 7D as compared to having someone playing out of position as a center, although you could have Mace McTavish do that, no issues. Um, but the the issues, though, I think are, are easier to highlight for everyone out there, which is... I mean, it's quite simple. You're really divvying up the ice time and co- and really messing with any sort of line chemistry. And it really, it really stuck out to me as being odd because Dallas Higgins had a quote, and I think it was middle of the week um, after the the home game against Tampa, or maybe it was going into the home game against Tampa, where he kind of was saying he wanted to just give lines a chance to roll out and and allow them time to gain that chemistry with each other. Because if he didn't do that, then they would never be able to have that chemistry together. And so he was kind of almost like, I want to just ride it out and let this happen. And then he init- and then he goes to this, which doesn't allow for any line chemistry because you're essentially going beer league style where you don't have enough players and you're constantly rotating wingers. And maybe you have a little bit of stability, but you are, you're swapping it out a bunch. And so you're not able to have guys that are able to build that chemistry and learn where their, their uh, teammates are going to be, or all, both their teammates on the line are going to be. And it, it just isn't ideal. And I don't think it's an optimal use of your lineup in any situation, honestly. Yeah. I I just don't really, I mean, you cited all the reasons, but really this just feels like you're kind of, you're kind of tying a hand behind your back just to see if you can pull it off. Right. With one arm. Like there's just no, there's no real reason to do this. There's no real benefit. Um, I mean, Pavel Regenda got sent down today to San Diego, but, there's really no, I mean, he wasn't hurt. There's no reason that he can't play. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's basically been cast aside since a, a good start to the season. And even if Sam Carrick wasn't ready to go, you can still put a put a lineup together. So, yep. Derek Grant can play center. He didn't have to play wing. Mason McTavish can play center. Adam Henry. Like, it's not as if the Ducks don't have guys that they can uh, put at the center position to get Pavel Regenda into the lineup. And so right. that that's the confusing part there is if let's say they were just short on centers or guys that were capable of doing that, then maybe you could make an argument for that because it, it's just due to injuries, due to personnel, due, due to whatever host of reasons you want. But that wasn't the case in this game, and I think especially the Maple Leafs game. And that was the confusion that I had there. And especially if you look at the ice time, like Colton White played like five minutes. Yeah, well, that's the thing, right, is that on top of the fact that you're not really leveraging whatever advantage you might get from that, the other other thing is just that it's not like, okay, let's say you're going 7D because you have a bunch of great defensemen on the third pairing. I mean, we're we're talking about Nathan Beaulieu, Colton White, Simon Benno. I mean, these are like fine players, but they're not, you don't need a, you don't need all of them in the lineup every single night. And, and the broadcast had brought up that Dallas Aiken said that this would allow him to get Trevor Zegers and, and Troy Terry out there more. And I just don't buy that as a reasoning because... Well, you could just put them on a line together. Well, not only that, th- because they were on a line together, but you can also just play them every other, every third shift and just play them a bunch more. Like, just because there are 11 forwards, like, you with 12 forwards, you can still play them more. Like that should well, not yeah. be the reasoning for going for it. Like it, it, one doesn't necessarily mean the other. You can still play them more with twelve forwards, and you just play your fourth line less. Play your best players the most. Like 
This isn't that hard from that concept. And you don't need to go to this whole trickery situation to get there. And I think that that was, it, it just wasn't optimal. And the Ducks were able to get a win against the Maple Leafs. But it, it just kind of goes back to a lot of the issues so far this season. Is just I feel like the coaching staff is not putting everyone on the team in positions to succeed. And there is talent on this team, like we said at the start of the season, and enough where they were able to get out a win against the Maple Leafs, and they've been able to put together some better performances of late and are trending in a bit of the right direction at 5-on-5. Five five. I think a large part of that is just due to the talent they have. And if the coaching staff can just put guys into better positions, this could be a team that kind of fits what we were thinking to start the year. Yeah, and just to give Colton White some respect, he played 631 last night. Sorry, yeah, 630, 631 for a defenseman. Also, Nathan, still Bowie, not a lot. Nathan Bowie only played 916. Yeah, which, which again, in all begs, situations. Which begs the question again, why, what is the advantage here? But we should really get to this win over the Maple Leafs because I feel like we're, we're we're burying the lead a little bit. Yeah, really, really quick. The other piece of news though is Sam Carrick is has been sent down to the goals for a conditioning stint. He'll be back soon. He's taken line rushes. That's good news for the Ducks. Uh, he's not traveling with them on this road trip, but it sounds like he'll probably be back and ready to go next week. Um, Glenn Godden has been called up by the Ducks um, uh, with Pavel Regenda being sent down. Glenn Godden, I think, had what was it? I think he had six points in eight games or something along those lines for the the San Diego goals, and he had a bunch of shots through those two games. The only player that it looks like really was outperforming him was Rocco Grimaldi, who still is not under contract with the Ducks. Yeah, I mean, I, if he's not getting a contract now it's not looking promising that he's going to get one because he's, yeah. having, he's having a great start. Glenn Godden got called up. I, I mean, I think, Glenn Godden's already signed to a contract, so it's just easier to do that. But I also think it's because Glenn Godden is a center, whereas Rocco Grimaldi is a winger. Yeah, yeah, that's possible. Although, I mean, they have they have four centers, don't they? Grant, Lundestrom. True. Also, uh, fair point. I mean, so I don't know about that. But the whole thing is that Glenn Godden for all he's doing in the AHL is an AHLer. Like it yeah. is not, is not quite an NHL player. Uh, it, you know, it's given, the Vinny, Vinny syndrome. He's got nine career games in the AHL. So I don't really care what he did in the regular season or sorry, in the preseason. Uh, this is not an NHL player so far. He's 25. Uh, this is really his first go around at it. So we'll see. We'll see. I'm not really going to p- put any stock into that until, we kind of see what it looks like. Um, but yeah, let's get into this Leafs game, though. I mean, the, the Ducks snapped a lengthy seven-game losing streak. Yeah. And I think more than anything, and you'll appreciate this, restored the vibes. Yeah. Restored the vibes because it was getting pretty bleak. I mean... Oh, boy, it was. And, you know, from different corners, first it was you, then you backed off. Yeah. Uh, then it was just everyone else on Twitter and our Discord... Uh, you know, just how terrible this team was, how Connor Bedard is, is you know, impending, how he's soon to be a duck, uh, you know, fire the coach, everybody sucks, right? It's just doom and gloom, doom and gloom. And we've been saying it and we're going to keep saying it for, for now. Like it's, don't judge a team entirely off of the start to the season and a small sample in, in particular. And And just to jump in there on that small sample, so I looked at it, seven of the nine teams that the Ducks played as of today uh, in those nine games, as of today, 
are in the top half of the league in terms of expected goals for percentage. And while granted, small sample size for them the also. The Ducks help their stats. Exactly. <laughs> but seven of the next nine games are against teams that are in that bottom half. Yeah. And like so the, yeah. we'll learn a lot more about this Ducks team over that period of time where they're playing the Canucks, they're playing the Sharks, they're the playing Sharks the twice Jets. twice this week. Uh, they're playing the Red Wings again, who the Ducks actually played really well at five on five, like as we talked about on the last episode. So they're going to be getting games against teams that aren't good at five on five. And we'll really have a better idea of where this team is, because I think at the end of the day, coming into the season, you and I both probably thought that this was a middle road team that probably could maybe work their way into a playoff spot if everything went right. And middle of the road teams don't always beat the teams that are better than them but they do well against teams that that are worse than them. And yeah. the Ducks won they were they won two games and had one game go to overtime. It wasn't uh or in these first 9 games and it wasn't against those bad teams, but if you looked at that right, two of those 9 teams were in the bottom half and the Ducks came out with two wins and one overtime loss. Like that's kind of what a middle of the road team would do in that situation. Yeah, although yes, that is true. Um but looking at this team, I think that, and we've touched on it before, you're seeing this kind of steady improvement in yes. their performance yes. at 5 that on too. 5. Before getting just into this game as a whole, every game, like even though this is some of these score lines have been really ugly, thinking about the Vegas game in particular, there's this feeling that they're getting a little more in sync with each other. There's this feeling that things are clicking a little better and there are periods, even in within these games, where they improve, where it does not look like that at all, especially against Vegas. There were times where they just couldn't get the puck through the neutral zone; it just wasn't happening. But you you are getting this feeling that they are, that they're figuring it out a little bit. That they're kind of, and and this goes for the coaches too. You know, they're figuring out. Okay, we have this Seagrass Terry dynamite that we can use at any time. But then when we've done that, you have one of the, our second quote-unquote scoring line the top six doesn't give us anything how can we address that so there's just a lot of tinkering going on there are some options that we've discussed like putting mason mctavish at center that just aren't being used but this is this is all just like a feeling out process right now i i really just don't believe that this is a finished product by any means right now yeah and one of the biggest things i think kind of looking at some of the numbers over the these first nine games uh, is that defensively things have gotten a lot better. I think outside with of the this le- blue line with this. Yeah. Like ever since the New Jersey game. So Boston, Detroit, Tampa, Vegas, this team really were doing a great job of limiting shots and chances against, um, and really and expected goals against maybe not always shots on goal, but expected goals against where those shots were coming from. They were doing a really good job of limiting those on the whole, um, and at five on five and against Toronto, they didn't do as good of a job, but it also is one of the most high-powered offense in the leagues. So that's just going to happen from time to time. And the thing for the Ducks in that game was they actually were able to match them at times at 5-on-5 five five offensively um, and had one of their better offensive games. And so that was a step forward from the offensive side of things, even though it was a step back. So kind of getting back to your, your point, ever since the Devils game, I think, there's been steps forward. There's been progress from this team, which is what you want to see at this time of year because – at the end of the day, for all the doom and gloom, right? It, you and I both don't look at the standings at this point in time just because it is <laughs> no? so, so early. But I'm going to do it right now just to kind of maybe add some context for everyone in terms of the standings. The Canadians but, are ahead of the Leafs in the standings. 
I wasn't going to go there. I was going to say the Ducks are only five points out of a wild card spot. Like, just to put it into that context, right? Mm-hmm. Of, sure, mm-hmm. it's been bad. Sure, it's been awful. And, and sure, if it continues this way, that's just going to continue to grow. But that just goes to show that it's early and that if this turns around, like, there's like the Ducks are going to push their way up into more of a competitive spot. And even a lot of people forget about this. Last season, this team started out through their first like eight or nine games with only two wins. Yeah. And then yeah. went on that crazy run and got themselves into one of the best spots in the Pacific. And then John Gibson falling off a cliff really kind of hurt them. Obviously, that kind of sank their playoff shot chances last season. Um, but people forget very easily that the record is kind of similar to last year. And so I, I just think the time for panic is not now. And no. I've, I, I've walked back that from last week when I started this uh, this episode or this podcast being a little bit more doom and gloom. Well, also, I, I just think that it's so I don't want to say it's disingenuous, but I just think it's it's a little lazy to say, oh, well, they've lost X amount of games. They're losing. You know, they've let up this many goals and kind of leave it at that as your case for why this team is bad. Like everyone Anyone who understands anything about hockey knows that there's so much more to the game than just the final score and wins and losses. Like, and that's so why we many... look at analytics. That's why you and I both yeah. always cite these stats because they kind of show what what the trends are throughout the games. Where are the chances coming from? What team's getting more of those? Because at the end of the day, the team that gets more chances throughout a game and more expected goals throughout a game win the games most of the time. And so even if you're losing some of them here and there, due to goaltending, due to shooting, due to, due to a whole bunch of different things. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to be what happens in the future when you continue that path. Right. And even if you don't use analytics, let's say, and you, you're someone who loves to dive into the, the film study, right? Like the video element, like the coaches and scouts do, like you'll, you're going to find things in there that work and that, and that make it. Um, so, you know, there, there's always more to it than just the final score. And yeah, if the Ducks were losing, you know, big on the scoreboard and then the the play also matches that, then we'd be talking about that. But anyway, and and we should say their five on five play uh, so far when you total up the entire season is not pretty. They're one of the, I think, third worst in the league right now. But I think that's where looking at the trend and having the sample size and looking at who they've played is so important and why getting a bigger sample of various different teams throughout the league is going to be important through that. Absolutely. And so I think bring Let's it get into this, this game. Yeah, well, we, we can breeze through this game. I'll start with this because um, to me, there, there's two highlights to this game. There's a lot more to talk about, obviously, but there's there's two highlights. Number one with a bullet. I think I'm using that expression, right? Number one yeah, with I a bullet so. is Trevor Zegers. I, I just don't know what else you can really pick as your lead there. Game winning goal important goal down the stretch and just looking amazing doing it, you know, with dominant at five on five played a bunch of minutes. And then the second highlight, wait, can I, can I jump in real quick on Zegris? Cause there was yeah. this quote from Cam Sharon who does breakdowns of every Leafs game tracks yeah. them. And he had this one kind of snippet. He had, it's really great. Go to camstron.com to check it out. He tracked uh, the data for the ducks King or ducks uh, Maple Leafs game and has snip uh, information on it. 
but he said real good night for Trevor Zegras entering with control on all seven of his attempts. I really hope this Anaheim team takes a big step this season because the world may not be prepared for just how good of a player he is. He scored twice, including the OT winner, of course, but that kind of downplays just how good a puck handler and playmaker he is. If you keep West Coast hours, you should be paying attention to this team. Yeah, just with with Zegers, he's just so dynamic with the puck, and it, and it is a little bit of a cliche that word dynamic, but he can just do so many different things and attack at so many different angles, and he's a threat from so many different spots. You you talked about the stats with his zone entries, and that that's that's such a big factor that we underrate for any player, but he mm-hmm. he just gets you bites at the apple every time he's out there because he's able to get into this to the offensive zone on his own. But then once he's in there, you know, he's such a threat off the half wall. He's so good down low. He's able to get into the middle of the ice. He's he's got a one-timer threat now. Yeah. He just he's just really doing it all and man, it, it's just the sky is the limit for this guy. And once they find someone outside of maybe Troy Terry to to play with him consistently, man, cuz cuz you you see it when he's not with Terry. There's just no one else that can really keep up with this kind of speed and this kind of high level uh, offensive playmaking. Yeah. Cause you have to have a guy that has high hockey IQ to be able to play with him, to find spots, get in positions. And you look at some of the data that Camstron has, and you can see that also Troy Terry is suffering, not playing with Trevor Zegers because Troy Terry, he basically is entering the zone on his own and creating his own chances for himself. And with Trevor Zegers, Trevor Zegers enters the zone is able to create chances for other players. And you saw when those two were on the same uh, on the same line, also in previous games, they read off each other really well and are able to find each other in dangerous spots. And it's a situation where I get what the coaching staff is going for by splitting them up. It's what we talked about, right? Of when I mean, they're, they're not, a, they're they're in a tough spot. Like they, yeah, it's it's hard to have only one good line. To, but just anyway, finish your point. Sorry. No, you're all good. Uh, my point is that basically. By taking them apart, though, you're really doing damage to the overall impact that your team can have. And you're impacting both of them. You're impacting uh, the offensive capability of your team by not having them together. And I think when you have two guys that just fit like gloves with each other, with the way they play, I think you just have to not overthink it and just let them run. Like, it's really that simple. Yeah, I I think that the challenge for for both of these guys is that I think that they both play the game in such an east-west kind of fashion. They're yeah. so good at, at, at lengthening or, I guess, widening out the, the the scope of the play and being able to really just kind of piece apart d- defensive structures because there's there's such threats to get into the middle or get the, the puck across the middle. When Zegers, for example, isn't with Terry, like, for example, last night playing with Henrique and Vetrano, those are both... I mean, Vetrano definitely is a north-south guy. He's not mm-hmm. a guy who's looking to get into the middle. He's a guy who you can give him the puck. He'll take it to the net. He'll get shots on net. He'll drive to the net. But he is not thinking in the same dimension that Zegers is just in terms of what kind of plays he's looking to make. Adam Henrique, same kind of thing. Adam Henrique's going to follow the play. He's going to sneak into those quiet areas. But he is not a guy either who's really making plays out there per se. Different kind of plays, but just not the types that I think really leverage Zegras. Troy Terry, he's the opposite of those guys. He's able to make a play any which way, you know, east-west, east-west, uh, north-south, northeast, southeast, like whatever. He's able to do it. 
And that's what fully unlocks Zegras. The problem is, like, you only have two of those guys, really. You potentially have a third in Mason McTavish that they're just not really willing or able or whatever to use at his natural position to really get those skills out of him. So it's just, it's a very difficult problem to solve for this uh, coaching staff right now. And I don't totally begrudge them for trying to split them apart and trying to make it work. But man, I agree though. It's it's hard to really make that case because those two guys are just so dominant when they're yeah. together. Yep, exactly. And so what was your second point before I jumped in with that quote from Cam? John Gibson. I mean, he had a really good game. I mean, yeah. he had a plus 2.2 uh, goal saved above expected. I mean, made a couple of just miraculous saves uh, to keep this game alive. And, you know, the Ducks, I think they were not the, the better team at five on five. They they hung in there against a good Leafs team, but they, they needed they needed a, a, some help from their, you know, quote unquote elite goaltender. E- and they got it. And that makes a difference. Yeah, what they did well in this game was I think they did a really good job of limiting the quantity of chances again or quantity of shots against. And especially from the second period on, I think the Ducks really were able to put their foot on the gas and get more shots for. I think the one thing that they need to uh, start doing is limiting quality against. And that's where kind of the expected goals come in. If you look at Corsi four versus expected goals, the Ducks actually, I think, won the Corsi battle, the shot attempt battle last night and won the shot share battle yet they didn't win the expected goal battle per different websites and so i think that just kind of goes to show in some ways it's the leafs they're austin matthews mitch martin these guys are able to generate high quality i thought the chances. leafs were in disarray i thought that was yeah wrong. yeah i mean that's what i think matthews is shooting like four percent or something yeah it, it's insane <laughs> but i think what the ducks did well though they were able to get the puck into transition and generate chances and i think that's what they did in the second and third period and especially going in that third period right and because wow, the Ducks just were, just just co- totally glazing over John Gibson. No, John confirmed, Gibson was con- no. confirmed hater. Confirmed John Gibson, hater. John Gibson was very good. What does John Gibson have to do to get his flowers from Jake? John Gibson was very very good. No <laughs> no doubt about that. Like that was a good Gibson game. That's what we've been clamoring for. Because really prior to that, he had three so so to bad games. I mean, yeah. in, against Vegas, like. You know, there was this whole debate, I think, of was the last goal he let in deflected or not? I don't think it was. Uh, he's He hasn't really been playing his best hockey. Wait, and honestly, wait, it's which been, goal? It was the goal that went off of Benoit. Or supposedly went off Benoit. It was a, it was a point shot from the left side, the left flank. Are we? I, okay, I think it's a different game. I don't think that's the Vegas game. I think that's the Tampa game. Uh, let's see. I'll, I'll try to pull it up. Ve- Vegas talk. game had a Vegas game had a tip in front from William Carlson that was pretty obviously a tip. I think you're thinking about the Tampa. No, game. I'm not thinking about that. I'm thinking specifically of a goal that people were, okay. were saying went in. Well, off of, uh, regardless, why? Let's actually before we kind of get into the rest of this game, though, let's have a, a word from our sponsor, which gives you time to look that up. Yes. Michael My- Myers sure is scary, but the last thing you need. Is to be hairy this Halloween. Uh, luckily, our friends at Manscaped launched their fourth generation performance package to make sure your pumpkins get the ultimate carving experience on this spooky day. Turn your bite-sized treat into king-sized candy and join 6 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code CTP. Make the right call this spooky season. It's trick or trim. So... 
Have you ever tried to trim your balls and it turned into a Freddy Krueger film? Well, luckily, Manscaped is here to save the day and make sure you're feeling your best in your costume. Unlock unlock your confidence with their Performance Package 4.0. Inside, you'll find the holy grail of men's grooming. They've made it easy for you to upgrade your grooming routine. It's a full moon out and the werewolf in your pants is howling. It's time to tackle the problem with your Lawnmower 4.0. Their finely tuned pew products feature a cut, cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 is easily the greatest ball trimmer on the planet. Oh, did I mention this trimmer is waterproof too? The trimmer is a shower essential and the Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker, a total game changer to your men's hygiene performance. Uh, the Weed Whacker is a nose and ear hair trimmer that provides proprietary skin safe technology that helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. Seal the deal with Manscaped's liquid formulations. Their Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner will make sure your pumpkins stay fresh. <laughs> Trust me when I say this, fellas. Your balls will thank you. Manscaped also just launched their Body Buffer. This 100% antibacterial body, body scrubber is just what you need to help you fret uh, need to keep you fresh this and clean this Halloween and their boxers and the shed travel bag. They bring your comfort and boxers to another level. Also, if you're looking like a Wolverine and haven't cut your nails recently, be sure to look into the Shears 2.0 nail kit. So you can get 20% off plus free shipping with the code CTP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code CTP at manscaped.com. Say trick or treat to your beautiful new Halloweeny with Manscaped. God damn it. Okay. Thank um, you. <laughs> all right. So yeah, you were right. That goal I'm talking about was in the Tampa game. There you go. Um, I don't think so. I think it grazed Benoit's jersey, but I don't think that actually changed its direction. And so it was a point shot. Like he let in a clean point shot. The point is, John Gibson had not been playing well really up until that Toronto game. And it was good to see. It was good to see him get a a standout performance against a good team and to 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 be a difference maker in a game where the Ducks needed him to be one. I mean, I, I understand that by shot attempts they were you know the better team, but Quality. I think when you're when you're playing the Maple Leafs, you're you're not looking at that quite as much because they're a team that's gonna be able to carve you up like a like a pumpkin. Uh, in the in the defensive zone. Well, look no further than the the three on three, and we'll get there. But the the save they made in three on three, yeah. But um, yeah, just kind of about this game though. I think the Ducks they played better. Uh, and I think going into that third period though, they they ended up on a power play as a result of what was the right call not being a penalty shot on Derek Grant. Um, oh, I, just wanted... I, think, I think we're I think we're we're contractually obligated to say that the the Ducks got hosed by the officials, right? That that's what we're supposed to do here. Uh, they got hosed by the officials on the Kerfoot breakaway, but I actually think it's funny because that them um, them calling that a penalty shot actually did the Ducks a lot of favors. Oh, because of the they didn't have to go on the penalty kill. They didn't have to go on the penalty kill, and they scored right after that. That would, would right after would the Ducks have given up fewer goals this season if, if they gave all up of penalty their, shots? If all of their penalties were just penalty shots instead, probably there's probably. a chance. But no, but Zegers scored right after that, though. Yeah. Um, but so, um, kind of with this game, though, the Ducks went on the the power play to start the third period. Uh, Tan- or Toronto was able to score to to make it a three to one lead, and then kind of it felt like everything was going wrong. Uh, Kerfoot g- goes in on the breakaway, gets slashed, still gets a shot off. 
just so everyone knows, the way the ruling rule is actually worded is that basically a scoring opportunity has to be taken away. Like it has to be stopped by the uh, by the penalty. And so if a player is still able to get off his scoring chance, even though he did get slashed or get hooked or anything like that, then there cannot be a penalty shot. That is not how the rule is worded. And so to me, both of these are non-penalty shots. Both of them should have been penalties, but the refs awarded a penalty shot. They should there. just give more penalty shots. Who cares? Sure, make it easier. If the if a guy if there's space, if a guys behind you on a breakaway, I call think a I think shot. the rule shouldn't be such a bright line. It should be that if you're impeded significantly on a clear scoring opportunity, you should you should get that chance back. That's seems more fair to me. Uh, I but, mean, basically what that rule does is it incentivizes people to just fall as soon as they feel any contact. Yeah, so here it is. I have it up now. I pulled up the rule book because one of my pet peeves with the broadcast is not actually just stating the rule. It really adds a lot of context to calling the game when there are these situations that are maybe a little bit uh, controversial. And so here's the exact rule for a penalty shot. Uh, rule 24, a penalty shot is designed to restore a scoring opportunity which was lost as a result of a foul being committed by the offending teams. Yeah. That so simple. If you stopped right there, because I think there's probably more to it, right? Uh, it says ba- it says based on the parameters set out in these rules. And there's a whole lot of other stuff, but that's pretty okay. much the basics of but it. That's, but that's kind of like the, that's the gist of the rule, except the rule isn't really applied that way. Um, or it is and it isn't. Like it, it seems to be a moving target. Uh, yeah, I'm seeing in our in our chat people saying, "Oh, was this a ducks, a ducks win or a Leafs collapse?" Essentially, and I think people need to stay away from listening to Toronto media about stuff when it comes to the Leafs because it's just everything is so sensationalized, and cool. you know we're you know we're having a little trouble kind of keeping the the train on the tracks in terms of the narrative for the Ducks in a small sample. Can you imagine having to do the same for the Toronto Maple Leafs? Yeah. I mean, it must be insane, the overreactions. Yeah. So yeah. A, but, hockey game was, a hockey game was played between one very good team and one team that's in transition. And I think that both, I mean, the, the Kings, I mean, sorry, the, the Leafs were also coming off a of back-to-back, we should note. Uh, but that there's no there's no other narratives here. There, there's not this kind of like uh, big emotional takeaway to take from it all it's, yeah and, and so kind of jumping in though after that the ducks were able to zegris was able to get in on a breakaway off a nice breakout pass by troy terry off the uh off the wall to to feed it to him just so happened when you run 11 forward sometimes troy terry and trevor zegris are going to be out there together <laughs> maybe maybe they should keep doing that yeah um but of course that happens terry's able to find zegris zegris goes in the breakaway uh is able to score it and then the ducks are able to tie the game on Dmitry Kulikov. What a play. What a play on the wraparound uh, and just going for it and taking advantage of the fact that Shalgren was not moving post to post well. By the way, uh, should give a little shout out to Dmitry Kulikov because, and I think that Cam Sharon talked about this in his article, and I, I tend to agree that he's actually really not this great puck moving defenseman per se. But he's got some good offensive instincts. Like once he's yeah. actually in in the off, once he's actually in the offensive zone. I mean, you look to, I believe it was the Vegas game. I believe the assist the, that he had. Well, no, they got shut out against Vegas. Never mind. Um, then it was the Tampa game. My bad. Yeah, the Tampa game. Uh, the assist he had to to Trevor Zegers, right? And then, I mean, that's a heady play to to look for the the. I mean, wraparound goals. You don't see those very often. 
But that was kind of a smart execution of that play, a smart leveraging of that skill, right? Where you're just circling the net, you see that you've got the the goalie beaten to the far post and you just jam it home. So he's been a fun player to watch and it's just it's just fun to to see him kind of get rewarded a little bit. I mean, he's yeah. probably been has he been the Ducks' best defenseman so far? He's I think he, been he's been their most stable. Like the most consistent, yeah. I yeah. think just in all facets of the game, he's and he's added the most. Yeah, I think Klingberg's been what we expected, expected I mean, from him. I, th- I think we may have underappreciated how much of a nightmare he can be defensively. <laughs> one, one thing I've noticed about Klingberg a bunch is that a lot of times when he allows a breakaway or a two-on-one going the other way, it's because he's firing the puck from the point. Yeah, and it's 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 not when he's pinching, which is funny because you would think it'd be the opposite. No, it's. I'm really curious if if we went back and tracked two on ones, breakaways against things like that. How many of them came from the defender just trying to blindly throw it at the net? And this goes back to to what we talked about, right? We've I don't know at some point over the past years that a point shot can actually is more likely to result in a scoring chance against than a scoring chance for. Yeah, I mean it's it's just not always the smartest thing to do, which yep. you would not get that impression listening to most mainstream hockey yep. analysis. You would think, oh, that's the safest play possible. Just get it yep. on net. The uh, Amstron on the PDO cast today, when they were talking about the Devils, had mentioned he's like, I don't want I don't want my defenseman at all ever to take point shots. Obviously, there's some context that has to be added to that. Of yeah, if, if the guy's not- able to walk into the top of the the dots, but just your traditional guy at the point. At five on five, taking a shot like that just doesn't do anything for you. Well, I think you just have to know, and I'm assuming that Cam has done his homework homework there, which is you have to know the success rate of that play. Like, how often does that truly also, lead to a good outcome? Yeah, for those that don't know, Cam Strong used to work for the Maple Leafs in their analytics department, so yeah. he's someone that what has seen the data on the other side. Um, yeah, well, guess what, at- Jake? How many how many Stanley Cups did they win? How many round ones did they win when Cam Sharon was there? True, true. Um, so as this game continues, though, the Ducks are able to take the lead, or we thought, and the Maple Leafs challenged it. And I want to just briefly get into this because I always like these controversial type of plays. Because you like telling people they're wrong. I like just reading the rule because I find that if you read the rule it becomes so much clearer. Well, you can at least see the rationale. Yeah. And so the goal was ruled back. And the basically the, the reasoning for it is here is how it is in Rule 69, interference on the goaltender. Nice. Um, nice. Nice rule. Yeah, there you go. Uh, it says it has this qualifier at the bottom because there's a whole lot of other stuff in there, which basically at the end of the day, what it ends up meaning is that if there's contact within the crease, um, whether it's incidental or not, it is goaltender interference. If there's contact outside of the crease, uh, incidental contact is allowed if it occurs outside of the crease. Um, with the overriding rationale of the rules that a goalkeeper should have the ability to move freely within his goal crease uh, without being hindered by the action. So they have to be able to move. And there's this kind of paragraph that's been that's added of stating, if a defending player has been pushed, shoved, or fouled by an attacking player so as to cause the defending player to come into contact with his own goalkeeper, such contact shall be deemed contact initiated by the attacking player for purpose of this rule, and if necessary, a penalty assessed to the attacking player, and if a goal is scored, it would be disallowed. And so, for me, if you watch this a bunch, Adam Henrique's trying to drive the front of the net. He's trying to do what he can to get through David Kempf. Uh in the process, he puts uh, the Maple Leafs defender in the in the crease, and well, that's it, the, that's the issue, right? 
yeah what's what's a push what's a shove well it's a i I think that a battle a contact and henry clearly does have his forearm out and he drives into the net trying and this is all him trying to get to the front of the net and as through that process puts david camp into the crease and that makes Shalgren not be able to move freely throughout his crease so even though henrique was outside of the crease um he the the defenders inside and push them there and even though it's a battle both guys are holding each other the whole reason why uh why camp is there is because henrique if you watch the very beginning of the play drives is driving to the front of the net and is pushing him backwards into that yeah area. these and these decisions are not actually that controversial most of the time no nope. it's just that very few people are looking at the rule and without Correct. the rule I mean, you're you're, you're and, flying and you can, blind. You can disagree without the rule or with the rule all you want, but the rule is the rule, and that's what they have to work. Well, with. I I think that it's fair to say that the rule there's issues with the rule itself. I think that you can make that mm-hmm. argument, but if you're going to argue that the result is wrong, then you better have it and a rule based argument for it. Yeah. And, and for people wondering, that all that's fine, but what about the shot actually occurring after all that contact and the shot was wide and deflected off the demon? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it was... Is that, a, sa- is that sa- in the rule? It is. It does not matter. The, uh, the <laughs> rationale of the rule is that a goalkeeper needs to be able to move freely without his, or within his crease. He was not able to move freely within his crease because David Kampf is in the crease because Adam Reek drives front net, pushes him into that location, and they're battling, and that's why he ends up there. I mean, the that- thing is with, with with these this rule and like the 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 last paragraph you brought up is that there really isn't much gray area. No, which I think is a weakness of the of the rule because I think in that situation, if you want to talk about what are we trying to prevent. What, like, what's the harm that we're trying to prevent with this rule? It, it Was that play really the play that we want to get out of the game, that we want to disallow goals for? I don't think so. Yeah, I do. Here, Here's my reason. Mm, I don't here, think so. Wait, here, here's my reasoning for it. You you can't have... Uh, do, do you think that that's what, what this what, rule was well, really intended to prevent? Yes, be, I think th- this portion of the rule was... Def- was set up for two things. I think one of them is you can't have a forward, let's say Camp gets knocked over by Henrique in that situation and goes barreling into to Shalgren and a goal goes in. You can't have that count just because the contact came from the Maple Leafs defender on the, the Maple Leafs goalie. No, what I'm saying is that you can you can keep this portion of the rule, but you need to I think you need oh, to flesh I it w- out a little bit more. I, I was gonna add something to that. Okay. You you can't have a um you can't have a forward that's just stronger than a defender and gets them into the crease, and then the goalie can't move as a result of that. And that's what happened here is Henrique was stronger than Camp driving front net, puts him into a position where now Shalgren can't move. Right. And and I think that that, to me, I don't know if that's necessarily the harm that we're really trying to prevent. Like, and, that that's just a normal play. And and. And I have someone, Mr. Yagami in the Twitch chat saying TSN said that I was wrong on this. Um, I dis, I mean, I don't what know did, how, who, who, I, at t- who at TSN? Yeah, I don't, I don't know how I can be wrong on this because the rule is black and white. Well, I, I think you can be wrong. Like there, there's little things you could pick out that where you could be wrong. But the problem with this rule is that if any of those first elements are satisfied, the push, shove or foul, the goal has to be disallowed. Like there's literally that there's nothing else to it. There's not yeah. like another step to your analysis. And that's the problem to me. It's too yep. black and white actually. 
which is oh, funny because I, I feel like the critique is often that it's not black and white enough. I think it, yeah, and that that's why a lot of times, sure, there are times where they get it wrong. And I think, I think be the argument cases. for the argument for black and white is that even though you're going to get weird results like this, I would argue this is a weird result. Mm-hmm. Over time, you're going to get better. Well, results. and I think there are there are certainly times where if you look at the review, I think they do get it wrong. But I think actually eight or nine times out of ten. They get the goaltender interference review correct because they just apply these rules. And if you just simply take the time and look at these rules and have or have it properly explained to you, um, then it makes more sense where it's coming from. Right. Yeah. There. There's a lot there. I. And, I and there was and there wasn't a long length of time. But you know either. what though? You know what though? I'm gonna say this. Uh huh. As a as a fan of the sport, as a, as a fan of sports, period. We're entitled to bitch and moan about referee calls without knowing the rules. That's just part of being a fan. You know, drunk maybe or having had a cold beverage, yelling at the TV. Hey, don't you talk down. Don't you talk down to to the average Joe. Yeah. Don't you talk down to Joe sports fan. I'm just trying to make people a little bit more informed with this and then they can make their opinion (laughs) on it after that. I'm completely sympathetic to the point you're, you're making. But I also think like, we're allowed to be irrational sometimes. Oh, everyone's allowed to be irrational. I mean, I'm people just... have heard me talk about other sports and my whole view on, oh. on, on what I'm allowed to say when it comes it, to that. It's so. bad. It's bad. But it's so good. that it's that great. goal that goal comes back. Uh, the the Ducks and Leafs end up going to overtime. The Leafs almost score, and then Trevor Zegras uh, is special. I, I don't think there's any way else to put it. And <sighs> no star. Did no? Uh, did you notice where uh, he started that shift? <laughs> this is your new thing. It's uh, it granted three on three, not five on five. So there no. obviously are differences. N- uh, n- I mean, not apples to apples, but your not point a- is well n- taken. Not apples to apples at all, and I fully admit that. But having said that, he starts in the D zone. He's able to off the faceoff win by Strom, which did matter there. Um, goes and is able to transition into offense and is able to score the game winning goal. Yeah, and I mean, he was under duress. He protected the puck just so expertly i mean it's funny because people will will always talk about how oh, zegris isn't that strong he's got to build out his frame blah, blah blah he's a he's a skilled player like that was a power forward play i mean he tucks he tucks the yeah. puck into his hip you know bears down protects it fends off the, the defender i mean he that's a power forward move and then just kind of, I mean, uses that rotational strength to just fling it on the net. And, I mean, it goes top shelf. What a goal. What a moment. The celebration. I mean, there's just something about Trevor Zegers' overtime game-winning goals that just feel bigger <laughs> than well, any other goal. Him and Terry just have a knack for doing it. And I think that's what you you want from your most highly skilled players is they're able to find chances in these situations, and they're typically able to bury them. And I think that that's something that's been so fun to watch. Yeah, now he he's worth the price of admission. It, it's just I think it was just more than anything, and you know maybe this is a little bit of uh, a little too emotional, but it was just fun to see some smiles. It was just fun to see like the guys, the team, the the building, the people around this team just kind of like a little exhale, right? Enough of the doom and gloom. They haven't been as bad as people have said, uh, and it was just good to see that kind of prevail for once. It, it was just nice to see them get something to kind of build off of. By the way, I didn't I didn't know about this until this afternoon, but I guess they had a, a, a closed door meeting before this game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was on Saturday, they said. Oh, boy. 
where I mean, hey, like whatever whatever they talked about, maybe it carried over into this game. Who knows? We have no way of knowing. We don't know what was said, but that's there. I think that they're doing everything they can to to not go fully down the spiral, right? I yeah. think that I think there is a sense of pride that they want to make this thing right. Yeah, and and it's I think it'll turn around. Like I I. I I'm getting more confident that the Ducks are not as bad as their record. They're not as bad as the losing streak. I don't think that there's this flip side where they're a cup contender or anything, but I do no. think that they're they're going to rattle off some victories soon, maybe as soon as this week with two games against San Jose and a game against Vancouver. I mean, it's kind of a light travel week, even though they have to go to San Jose twice, right? I mean, you, you play, I think they play Vancouver at home. Uh, so it's it's going to be... I think there's a potential here for a little bit of a little bit of an upswing. Yeah, and I mean this is going to be uh yeah, this is going to be a very telling week. So tomorrow they play at San Jose, then Thursday they play at Vancouver, Saturday oh, at Vancouver. At, okay. Saturday at San Jose, then Sunday at home against Florida. And so mm. yeah, it, it's going to be really telling um, prediction. Prediction for th- I'm going to say they win all 3. All f- Four. They play the. You said they play Florida on oh, Sunday. Sorry, I'm okay. They go three and one. Okay, yeah, I don't think they're gonna win all four, but I do think that they're gonna. I think three and one. I'm 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 there with you. Three and one. Yeah, Let's I do think. It. Th- I think most likely they lose the Florida game and win the other three, but you know they could also surprise us and win. Yeah, the back backs. There, there's gonna be some weird result in there. Like th- maybe they'll beat Florida and lose to San Jose well, once or something was it like on, that. I th- was it on the podcast or was it just our text messages and in Discord that I think that, going- is, that is a very big Venn diagram. It is very big. Um, <laughs> but I think going into this five game stretch with Vegas, uh, Toronto, and then these three games, I think I said they would go four and one. Okay. And okay. so they're You're on your it, way. It's still possible. They need to win all of these three games this week on the road. <laughs> But it's certainly possible. I thought they would maybe nick one off the Golden Knights or off uh, Toronto, and they were able to do that. And so, I mean, I think at the end of the day, you've got nine games uh, coming up with seven against essentially winnable teams. And, like, this is a spot where essentially, my opinion, these next nine games are what the season kind of pin on. Wow. And now my oh, wife is chiming in. Are wow, you... this is a first. This might actually be a first. Wait, and now, wait, Monica's uh, last name is still her, her uh, maiden name oh. on YouTube is now what well, I'm finding that out. Could, that could just be her middle name. She could just be having her first middle. I mean, it is, but okay. Uh, what's my, fa- <laughs> my wife is saying, what's my favorite Halloween candy? I've, I've eaten a lot today, as you know. Um, a lot let's of go- Halloween candy? Yeah. Let's go with my favorite today. The one that I've been jiving with a bunch is uh, 100 grand. What? That's not a candy. Wait, what? You've never had 100 grand? 100 grand? I'm so confused. You've never had it? No, I've definitely I've definitely haven't had it, much less heard of it. What is and Monica wants to know what's your favorite? Ooh. We're stopping the show for Monica, I think watching for her for live for the first time ever. If it's I'm on gonna, YouTube. If I'm going to pick I don't know, it's hard. I'm going to say Kit Kat. Gut Kit Kat's solid. Gut check. But Milky Ways have been growing on me. I've, I think I've had like four mini Milky Ways today. Milky Ways are underrated. I think so too. And I used to think that only the 
Milky Way Midnights were good. I think oh. regular Milky Ways might be better than Milky Way Midnights. Yeah, they're they're so, all they're all good. I've got a food take. Twix, later that, Twix is amazing. That I'll drop. Oh wait, well, so someone's uh, bring someone's bring up O Henry, and I have to say, like Canadian candy is just better. I've Mon- I that I've never seen that in my life, in my almost thirty years of existence, I've never seen that. So, uh, yeah, but Canadian candy is just so so much better. I I hate to say it. What the hell is that? That just looks like... I don't know what that is. It's caramel, milk chocolate, and crunchies. Okay, that's not bad. Um, okay, now we're just... Jake is giving us the courtesy of turning his mic off as he chews through this, yeah. this candy bar. I'm, I only ate half of it. I was being kind. I needed to show people what was inside. Oh, okay. Okay. It, it all makes sense now. There was a purpose. Uh, and Monica says Kit Kats for the win. Yeah, Kit Kats are good. Best um, best Kit Kat, by the way, white uh white chocolate Kit Kats. No. Mm. No, that's mm. horribly wrong. Mm. I also don't agree with the notion that uh um dark chocolate Kit Kats are the best. They're not. Um getting back to what I was saying before uh Monica <laughs> jumped in and derailed us, um these next nine games I think are gonna be very pivotal to to knowing what this team is. Cause well, because think- now it's like, okay, there's a step down in competition. You're seeing some progress with their game. Things are kind of solidifying a little bit. Now I think there's got to be some some results that follow that. Yeah, because I think if they're still in a hole of, and they end up on the same path and they're 10, 11 points out, 20, 18, 20 games into the season, um, then it's going to be a rough hole to dig themselves well, really, out Well, really, what I'm looking for is just what... You know, what is going to be their offensive game like? Because I think that the defensively, they've I don't want to say they've figured it out, but they've they've tightened up. Now it's just can they generate offense consistently? Uh, can they actually get, you know, transition through the neutral zone? Can they break it out of their zone, enter the offense? Like these are things that they've really struggled to do game to game, even on this little bit of an upswing. So I will be looking at that very intently. Yep. Um, anything else you want to add about the week, about the about the Maple Leafs game? I'm really trying to find it. It's really going to bug me now until I find it. But what are, you, what are you trying to find? I think that we are we are five. We are almost five. Five this, years old as a podcast? The, the very first podcast you and I did together was right around this time in 2017. We are uh, almost five. Does that feed still exist? on SoundCloud? I thought I, I thought I saw it the other day and I it's just I can't find it right now and it's it's driving me crazy. Okay. Anything else about the Maple Leafs game? Anything else about the uh anything else at all? No, I, I just think again, I'm gonna reiterate, I think that this team is is trending trending in the right direction. You know, a, a very kind of cautiously optimistic trending in the right direction, but things are getting better. The results are are following for now. I don't expect it to be perfect, but I think the doom and gloom talk just as always this time of year, just far too premature. Yep. Yep. Definitely. I completely agreed. Uh, let's get into the questions as you and I are both trying to now figure this out. I'm now looking, I'm looking, I'm on the SB nation website. I'm on Anaheim Collings website to see, uh, AC, see how far back we can go with this. 
Uh, <laughs> Their search function is just not optimal. Oh, no. On Anaheim Calling, we used to have it filtered. We No, I'm on that filter, but I can't do, like, earliest to latest, you know? Oh, you have to go, yeah. I, I have not... to actually manually do this, which is... We used to do a lot of freaking podcasts, which we is did not... We I did give up. every game. I'll, oh, I'll actually, find it. Actually, uh, oh, I'm still a okay. year behind. Here, here you go. Uh, Shaken Wings. We're going to start with our Discord. Then we'll get to the podcast. Uh, uh, Twitch chat and YouTube chat. But Shaken Wings said, can you talk about why Dallas Akins thinks 11 forward 70 is better? I'll let you take that one as I search. Uh Oh, man. I think I found it. I think I found it. October 21st would have been our first podcast together. At, or at least our first podcast together. Was I on that one? Oh wait, no, this is 2018. Shit, never mind. No, that would have been I that was when I started. No, we started 2017. I I did not. You did. You 1 million percent did. Uh oh yeah, 2017-2018 season. Yes. Yeah, you you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Uh, yeah. Uh let's see. Uh oh, okay. September se- uh first of <laughs> nope. Okay, to the question though, why does he think it's better? I don't know. I don't know why he thinks it's better. Uh, Jake Jake speculated at the beginning of the show that maybe it's because of the lack of forwards. You know, he doesn't want to play Regenda. He doesn't have anyone else at the moment that he's comfortable playing, not comfortable playing Brett Leeson, not willing to put McTavish at center. But I don't really honestly know what the the rationale is there. Like, I usually try to put myself in, in the mind of the coach and really try to figure out why or how they would get to that decision. But this is one of the tougher ones for me. Cause like when you're injured, when you have some actual issues with availability up front, I get that. But this just is, they're just not in that situation right now. Yep. Uh, completely agree. D frenzy said, uh, can you guys think of any reason Regenda would be scratched and then sent down to me? He's looked good. Also, think it's possible for the ducks to still be successful with Aikens coaching decisions. Like, can we make the playoffs or be pretty close to them with Aikens at the helm? Yeah. I honestly don't know what Regenda did wrong. I don't know what he had to, he has to do to stay up because to my eye, he was playing quite well. The numbers reflected that. Um, I mean, Aikens talked about it today that he didn't want uh, to have a rookie exposed to, you know, a situation where the team isn't playing well and things aren't so stable. I don't completely buy that, though, because Mason McTavish is a rookie and is still in the lineup and things have not been so stable. So I don't know. I, I don't exactly know what Regenda has to do. And can they still succeed with Dallas Aikens? I mean, Aikens has not been a strength of this team this season, but he's also getting them to he's getting them to improve their play on the ice. Like things are tightening up. So yeah, they can still succeed this season even with uh Dallas Aikens at the helm. Uh yeah, I agree with that. When it uh, succeed in like the most relative sense. Like yeah. I'm not saying they're gonna go win the Stanley Cup or anything. Jared said with Drysdale out for a significant amount of time, what defensive pairings look ideal moving forward? <sighs> Ideal, you say. I'm so glad to use the word ideal because uh, that changes things. So I think I I still want to see Kulikov with John Klingberg. And then after that, it is just kind of, I, I'm, not, I'm not exactly sure. I would like to, see, I mean, you can put, I guess, put Colton White with, with Camp Fowler. Just do it have one of them play on their on their offside maybe it'll be white who, who cares and then on the third pairing 
I want to see either Simon Benoit with Kevin Shattenkirk or call up Drew Hellison. I want to see yep. what he can do. There it is. That's yeah. what I would do. Call up Drew Hellison. I think I broke Anaheim calling. Um, it, it's <laughs> it, it now won't continue looking. So I could have sworn I, I found this the other day. I'm so mad it, that it, it it's probably not it probably was. I mean, honestly, probably the easiest way is to go to your Twitter and look around this time period. Oh, that's that's I have tens of thousands of tweets. That's you, not going to be easy. You either. know, you can search Twitter for do an advanced search for a specific date or oh, date. That's range. right. Yeah. Uh, Shaken Wing said with Bruce, uh, how Bruce gets fired. Uh, wait, wait, uh, well, now the Canucks are winning again, right? Yeah. Uh, it's more so about the Ducks and saying kind of how was Bruce able to be fired after getting to the conference final? Uh, and destroying one of the radio season. Dallas Akins has one of the three or three of the worst years for the Ducks in franchise history and one of the worst starts in franchise history. I mean, different context with the two teams. I yeah. think that's important here. Um, so, totally. Yeah. Um, all right. So we're going to move on to our Twitch and YouTube. So if you want to find us there, go to twitch.tv slash crash spawn or youtube.com slash crash spawn. If you have Amazon prime, you get one free Twitch prime gaming sub each and every month. If you want to help us out, please use that on us. You get special emotes in the, in the chat, special badges next to your name, lockdown late night. Who's one of our earliest ones, uh, resubbed for, uh, 36 months. Oh, wow. so yeah. Thank um, you. Thank you so much. So we're going to start with some questions. Uh, I see them both. We'll kind of flip back and forth. But we'll start with um, this one that came in from Root20. Said, uh, uh, question, at that point, hypothetically, do you think – oh, I think that this is um, with 11 forward 7D. Do you think Verbeek does something with the coaching staff? Kind of no, if, if something – No. Okay. I just don't. Okay. Austin Price, uh, five two nine, said, "Question: Would McTavish really benefit from centering the third or fourth line rather than playing a top six wing position like he has the last few games?" Not sure if this is just the Ducks, quote unquote, protecting a young player. I just think that this is where they see him right now is as a winger. That I, I think particularly, I don't know well, if Dallas Sickens. To his question, though, would he benefit from centering a third or fourth line as compared to playing a top six wing position? Like yeah, he is? I think that he's going to benefit because he's going to touch the puck more. He's going to well, be able to have an effect on the game. I also think that right now he's playing on the second line. And the thing is the talent on the second and third line should be actually fairly similar when it's spread out correctly. Mm-hmm. And so you can build a, a line for McTavish that doesn't see a nece- or necessarily a drop off in talent um, with the guys on his wings. And we kind of did it. I think it was on our Patreon episode when I kind of shot through it, but you could have guys that play on his wing where it may quote unquote be a third line, but he's having top six level talent on his wings that will help him out. Right. And so it's not a situation where the, the quality of teammates will uh, sink down significantly and that's going to hurt him. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So we will go to YouTube now. Um, McD uh, BQ says, why do you draft a big bodied high skilled center number three overall? Watch him dominate world juniors, put him on the team, then not play him at center or put him in a position to have success. Well, okay. This is now kind of what you were saying. Yeah. I do want to push back a tiny bit on like, he has been given a lot. I mean, he's been giving a fair amount of minutes the last couple games, not so much, which is a little concerning, but they have put him with good line mates. I mean, he's played a lot with Ryan Strom and Frank Bertrano. I don't think he's getting served up like chumps to start his NHL career. But fundamentally, I am coming around to the idea that he's just... It's it's a limitation on him to not be able to play center at this point. The way that the Ducks play, 
the way that they have him playing, they're not doing positionless hockey. If you're not the center, you're not being asked to, to actually be mm-hmm. the guy that's defending low to, to, to really carry the puck. And so he's just not getting those puck touches. He's not getting those opportunities. So at this point, yeah, it's it's becoming a hindrance on him. And that's why I think he's got to move back to center. Definitely. Uh, Rich 20 said, do you think the reason why Regendo was sent down was because Aikens felt there just isn't really a spot for him at the on the roster at the moment? I mean, you kind of have to operate. I mean, w- what else would it really be? Right? Yeah. If, if there were a spot for him, then he'd be playing. So, yes. Yep. Uh, let's get through a couple of these questions. We actually have something we should announce that we haven't talked about yet on here. Uh, Alex Olvera said, uh, did the Ducks kickstart the downfall of the Maple Leafs? What is a move you'd make with Toronto that makes some sort of sense for both sides? <laughs> Man, we're just never going to get away from the Ducks Leafs hypothetical trades, are we? Nope. Um, Gibson for Nylander. There Gibson, you go. Gibson for Marner. The trade is one for one. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Uh, Curtis said, question, what did you make of the Zegers six to seven minute benching after the Leafs shorthanded goal and a stare down towards the bench following his 3-2 goal? Uh, Well... I mean, he talked talked about it himself. (laughs) Yeah, he did. And to be fair, I mean, Zegers played a shit ton. He played 22 minutes. And I believe he had a turnover that was like directly responsible for. Yeah, on the power play. It was the shorthanded goal against. And he he still played 1824 at five on five. So I don't. I don't love it, but that's. It's becoming more acceptable. I guess less mad about it. I mean, you could argue it worked. I mean, it seemed to light a fire under, under him. Yeah. So I <laughs> uh, woke up the beast, but yeah, I, I think that like a benching like this, it's not the same as just like not trusting him in, you know, the, to play in the last five minutes of a game all the time. And he just, there doesn't is get a to coaching play. tactic behind it. At least yeah, it seems like exactly. And yeah, I mean, he just did not look great on that. I believe it was the yarn croak shorthanded goal. So I'm not. I don't have a huge, huge issue with it as long yep. as it's consistent. Which yep. Derek Grant has committed much worse and not been benched. Put it that way. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Christian Batista said, "Do you think the Ducks' only reason McTavish is with the or do you think the only reason McTavish is with the Ducks is because Verbeek has told Dallas to keep him, or would he be out like Regenda?" No, I mean, Aikens is playing him. Mm-hmm. Like, like there's been games where he hasn't played as much. But overall, he's getting, you know, f- he's had a lot of 15-ish minute games. Like, it's not a Shane Wright situation, put yep. it that way. And then Ray Gonzalez said, Jake, did my son, or did your son do Halloween? Yes, he was dressed up as a pumpkin. We took <laughs> him out, went to a couple houses nearby us. We're really only out for 20 minutes or so. Um, at this point in time, all the candy he gets is obviously for me and my wife. Uh, but yeah, so uh, uh, it was a good time. Um, but yeah, the other thing that we should really talk about is uh, Eat My Aston Reese said, uh, <laughs> such a great name. Tell us about the Sporting Tribune. What does this mean for y'all? Wow. Did we really get teed up like that? We did it. We really, really did. Wow. Shout out. Shout out to to that person. Yeah. So for those of you that missed it last week, uh, we announced that me, Felix, and CJ, and then along with we're bringing Derek Lee with us, are going to be writing at this brand new website that's uh, being forefronted by Arash Markazi uh, that is covering Southern California, Vegas, and Hawaii. 
in depth um, in a way that really can't be found in a lot of other places um, called the Sporting Tribune. So please make sure to follow them. Go to their website. Um, this does not change anything for Crash the Pond. It was really important for us to keep Crash the Pond as it is. The podcast is remaining as is. You'll still be able to find it in all of your normal platforms, normal places, everything like that. All this means is that we are now partnered a little bit with them, and it's going to be a mutual kind of beneficial uh, relationship. Um, and all of our written content, so me, Felix, CJ, all of our written content will be found at the Sporting Tribune. Um, there will still be written content at Crash the Pond, but it will come from our good friends that we've brought along with us and do a great job of covering the team at the website. Uh, like, yeah. Uh, like Mike, Mike DeFlorio, Bob Martinez, uh, Eric Stites, all those guys that you've come to know at the website. Yeah, I mean, really, the the goal here of the Sporting Tribune and of us covering the the Ducks, the Sporting Tribune, is to fill the gap that exists right now in, in Ducks coverage. I mean, I think that if you're a fan of the Ducks that wants to follow the team on a more in-depth level than just looking at the scores, looking at the standings, looking at who scored, uh, it's tough to be a Ducks fan in 2022. I mean, your options are really limited. You, you like almost need an athletic subscription to have any kind of info, or you need an Orange County Register subscription. Like it's really not easy. And so the goal here is for us to hopefully fill that gap. We're trying to provide uh, weekly written content. So we're going to have some in-depth articles and with Derek Lee on board, the goal is to have in-person coverage of this team. You know, we've, we have gotten to a point where we think we're going to be able to have someone from our site at the games at practices, potentially, you know, it remains to be seen how well it's going to be executed, how mm-hmm. how well we can manage the relationship with the Ducks. But there is a possibility here that we can really kick this up to a notch that we have never been able to before. And that's mm-hmm. really, really exciting. Yep. And I think that if all goes well in, in these next couple months, and what I would argue is kind of like a little trial phase with that element of it, like it could mean big things for this podcast as well. So it's very exciting. I think that if all goes right and we we deliver the goods, I think that Ducks fans are are in for a treat. Yep. Yeah, it, it's really exciting time. Uh, we sh- all should be starting to try to put up an article a week. And so keep an eye out. There should be some stuff coming out this week. Um, but yeah, it, it's really, really exciting times. Keep an eye out on the Sporting Tribune. Um, probably stuff will be kicking off in full force next week as the Ducks start to get uh, home. And there will be uh, some things probably covering those games. Yep. On that note, do we have anything else? Do we have any other questions? Uh, I think that's it. I didn't get anything really on Twitter today. Let's see. Anything pop in I didn't the last little bit? Nope. So I think that's probably going to do it. Oh, I remember uh, uh, what I was going to say. Do you want my food hot take? Sure. Do you actually want it or not? I don't want it, but I'll, I'll listen to it. Uh, Jack in the Box is extremely slept on. <laughs> you know why it's slept on because on. the food is so bad that's not true that no one wants to wake up they'd rather just be asleep nope nope that's not true okay their spicy I'll, chicken sandwich their tacos oh so good alternate explanation people that go to the jack-in-the-box usually go very late at night because you know they're up doing things they're up to no good and that's why it's slept on because they fall asleep. So full disclosure, 
this take comes because I was in a rush today during my lunch, and I you had did Jack, not in the box. Eat Jack in the box. I had Jack sober. in the box. I had Jack in the box during it was the great. daytime. It was great. Like you broke every rule there about when to eat fast food, let alone Jack in the box. It was great. That is a batshit move on your part. I don't regret my decision at all. It that was is delicious. Batshit. They have one of the best spicy chicken sandwiches in fast food. I don't care. I just will not touch Jack in the Box. It, it goes against everything I stand for. That uh, Jack in the Box. Everything. And more. It's it's delicious. Uh, Root just bringing up, do we know this contributor, Emma J? She has a thing called Morning Skate where she has game reviews. She uses analytics rate, how the ducks do on a games-to-game basis. No. Check it out. I don't think I've even seen that on their actual website. So that no, might be referring to else. Might be referring to something else. So check it out, though. Thanks for the shout. Uh, but yeah, that's a terrible take. Your worst take. Like you've had, you've had some doozies, but that is, you know, for me to tell you that this is your worst take. Like, keep in mind, I have a, a compendium of all your takes in my brain, so I know like how bad they are, and I'm still saying this is your worst take. So. Do I have any food hot takes? Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't think I can top that. I'm gonna let I, you. I. I like I'm gonna how, let you have this wait, moment. I like how our our hot takes. By the way, are yours is like usually something's garbage, and mine is like saying something <laughs> slept on. Mine's a positive. Sure. I feel like that. I feel like that represents our two our two personalities. I'm trying to think if I have anything. I had. I said something the other day. Can't remember it though. It's okay. I don't know. Um, Underrated sparkling water. There you go. Yeah. Oh, uh, our, spot. our Discord, by the way, was on my uh, on my level with this when I threw in that it's slept on. Oh, you had a terrible take the other day. What was it? The take that no one agrees with you on. Which one? There's something. <laughs> yeah, good question. Uh, there's <laughs> it mean, something. It, mean, it means no worries for the rest of our days. <sighs> Enough. It's with a problem-free that. P- philosophy. There's there's something. There's something in your, uh, there, there's something you've been saying that just no one agrees with. What the hell is it? This is really annoying. It's if you keep putting it in Discord. Are you just being like purposefully ducking this right now? I, I legitimately don't know what you're talking about. Oh crap! What is it? Uh, oh, this I'm so mad. I'm and I'm gonna remember it as soon as we get done too. I I have no idea what you're. Is it the one that I made the joke about about the pies? No, it might not even be food related. What the heck is it? Well, this is really a wonderful uh, podcast audio right here. Yeah, I'm sorry. I feel like I let the people down here. You 100% did because it could have been a fun little segment right now, but now you just let everyone down. Ah, oh, man, I feel terrible. What the heck? I mean, uh, you, you should. You've let oh, everyone yeah. down. Oh, um, you like my favorite Star Wars droid the other day? Uh, sure. No, I don't have an opinion. I don't really care that much about that. That you don't have a favorite droid. I mean, it's probably R two D two, or BB eight. That's boring. I mean, it's very basic. I admit it. There also aren't that many options. Yeah. Damn. What does this take? If someone uh, thinks that C three PO is their favorite. Favorite there, droid. There has to be a C three PO hive. Please reach out to me. I really want to hear. I want to. You know what? We should bring someone on the podcast. Oh, call that up is a, Oli Yalevi. There you go. These are I'm, not your take. Like, was I'm, it I'm the just, what? Was it the I'm wet just, burrito take? Oh, that's one of them. 
Wet burritos aren't good. They're delicious. We, we, we've established Stop. that. We, we, we've established they're great. Oh, no, no, no. Actually, it's not that I don't think they're good. You've said that it's the superior version. Yeah. And that is that is where you lose all allies. Okay. Whatever. Moving <laughs> on. <laughs> just, no, you don't get to just move on from that. <laughs> I mean, you, I can. You don't get to just move on from that. Oh, you've said something so <laughs> deplorable. I am so pissed. I can't find it. <laughs> but but scrolling back in our Discord is legit just like an, an impossible task. There's just so much content. You know uh, you can look up by person, which still probably doesn't help that much. Uh, it'll narrow it down. All right, we should just get out of here. Hold on, I'm I'm gonna try to drag this on for another thirty oh. seconds. To oh see. man, oh man, man, you uh, are you say a lot. Of, I do, and a lot of you know what. <laughs> that, uh, this is a lot big... of your messages start with hot take and then a and then a uh, colon. <laughs> This is why you all need to join the Discord for for these types. This is of like a, this is just like a prolonged ad for the Discord. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. I think I'm breaking Discord because now it's just okay. It's loading again. Uh, uh, hold on, hold on. Uh, all right, I'll start wrapping us up then. Okay, fine. Uh, we're done here. All right, thanks for listening, everybody. Um, if you want to help us keep this thing going, if you want to help keep supporting the show so that we keep the lights on, keep the season in full throttle there's a couple ways that you can do that the number one way check out our patreon patreon.com slash crash the pond as jake busts out whatever the heck that is i think it's a nature valley bar um check us out over there for one dollar a month you get access to the patrons only discord server and that is where you can connect with other diehard ducks fans uh it's just a lot of fun it's honestly the best ducks community you can ask for people are very active in there so anytime there's a game going on or breaking news people are all up in there uh chatting away for five dollars a month you get access to two bonus episodes and jake and i did a uh a nhl division predictions episode last friday it was a lot of fun we actually i think we we did that one justice uh so we do two bonus episodes on top of the regular ones we're giving you each month now, if you don't want to, uh, you know, pledge any money, that's completely fine. There's still great ways to support us. If you go to Apple Podcasts, search Crash the Pond, leave us a rating, takes just a couple seconds, and a review. And if you leave us a review, we'll read it on the show. We've had some new reviews lately, but I, okay, but we've already read them on the show. Okay, yeah. just just yep. making sure. Yep. But yeah, so, so go ahead and do that. Uh, check us out on Spotify. We're also on YouTube. Uh, subscribe there. Make sure to like the video. Supposedly that helps the algorithm. Make sure to smash like smash that like button. I don't. I don't want to go there. Well, I'm, I I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not taking a full YouTube heel turn quite yet. Wow. Uh, <laughs> quite yet. I'm supposedly. I think I've had two. I've had two messages in in our chat that have been like common, not common Felix W, but something to that effect. And now a hashtag <laughs> Felix is always wrong. So, I guess I'm a polarizing figure. What What can I say? Um, by the way, Jake, who are you rooting for in the World Series? The Phillies. Really? Yeah, why, what? You give off strong Astros energy. Why? <laughs> I just I, felt like I, saying I, that. I'm so insulted. <laughs> I just felt like saying that. Uh, okay. Just to, just to stray to, to get us out of here. Uh, and outside of that, check out our check out our website, crashthepond.com. But really, I mean, for this week, I'm really going to plug. Check out the Sporting Tribune. Follow them on Twitter. Search the Sporting Tribune. Uh, check out the website. 
And look out on our Twitter pages for uh, upcoming articles. Jake is on Twitter at ReindeerGames91, and I'm on Twitter at Felix underscore Sicard. That is going to do it for us tonight, guys. Thanks for listening. Happy Halloween, and hope you don't have too bad of a candy hangover tomorrow. It's a real thing. Bye. Bye.